Okay, warriors, you are listening to Unqualified Therapists. Remember, stay wild and weird. Hey, warriors, this is Amy. And I'm Sarah. We are the hosts of The Unqualified Therapist. We are not here to give you advice. We are here to tell you our stories, share your stories, and bring on the professionals from time to time. Mental health is complicated, and we know that from our personal experience. We believe in professional therapy. Both Sarah and I use that on our own healing journeys. But we also know it isn't one size fits all. The stigma surrounding mental illness can make us feel alone. We are not alone. You are not alone. And you're listening to The Unqualified Therapist Zinc. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Unqualified Therapist. Who else rocked out to that? Back in the day, oh my thinking goodness. that you were a 100% Christian badass. I was such a rock star <laughs> when that song comes on. In fact, I just rocked out and know all the words. <laughs> wow, takes you Ooh, back. It takes me back, man. Go ahead and go to your Spotify to 90s Christian rock or something, and it'll just be... <laughs> Sarah and I had a blast. Yes. Yeah, we did. Going through and be like, do you remember this band and this band? And we knew everything. All the words. Yes. Wow. So it took me back so much that I had to go watch this documentary on Hulu yes. called The Jesus Music. I I mean, if you at all listened to Christian rock at all in the 90s, you got to go watch it. It's got I haven't checked it out yet and I cannot wait. Yeah, because um, I mean, I'm glad that I'm smiling. <laughs> yes. And yes. not crying. <laughs> we got this because. I mean, we all have our journeys, right? This was just yeah, part of the journey. Part of the journey. Exactly. Just happened to be most of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. All right. Do we have any Jesus freaks out there? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So we are going back. We are going to talk a little bit about religion. I know even Christians don't like that word, right? Because it has some bad connotations. But I'm talking about Christian Christianity primarily. That is what Sarah and I were exposed to, and um, I almost said like <laughs> encompassed in. I don't know. We yeah. were um, consumed by consumed by. That's there a we good go. Way. Consumed by. So that will be primarily the faith, religion, whatever of choice that we're discussing today. Yeah. So basically, you know, we are here to talk about mental health. Let's talk about it. And this was a huge part of our lives, and for both of us was a huge 
negative spot in our mental health. Um, so we think it's important to address these types of things. And I think for the longest time, personally, I didn't feel like it was okay. Oh, no, to no, no. Say that or ever address <laughs> that. If you're in a place that you can't ask questions, you're definitely not going to say that this hurt or harmed you. Right. Or you'll be ostracized. Yeah. And that would just be the worst thing ever. Yeah. So there's lots of documentaries and podcasts and things about people getting out of the kind of like the big one, the Church of Latter-day Saints, which Mm -hmm. is Mormon, the Mormon church, um, Scientology, things like that. But I don't think there are a lot of people talking about (laughs) the way that Christianity has affected them and because it's still very it's very taboo to say that still and there's just this idea and the really you know it's because we are living in a christian country that wants to you know believe that that is the only way there's only one way and i think if people find it very offensive because they think that you are like directing something towards them Right, right. Specifically. We're just going to get into We're it. We're going to get into it. So that's, um, that's your trigger warning. I don't I, know I if don't, it's necessarily. I, don't, I mean, if you... I, I really, here's the thing. We said this, we were interviewed last night by Collier Landry and I said something that is so true for us and, you know, we're not for everyone. Right. But what we are is we are speaking our truths and probably, well, according to most of you with the DMs and things you tell us on The Secret, we're <laughs> speaking your truth as well. So this is our experience, one experience and another experience and we cannot speak on all Christianity sort of experiences, Christian groups, Christian organizations, churches, none of that. So all we're doing is telling our stories. And for me, when I started writing my book, my memoir about what I thought to be about primarily Scott and our relationship through mental illness, it was a big shocker to me that 50%, 60% of the book is about what we're going to talk about today and how deeply this wounded me. Yeah, it's an important conversation. I was shocked by a couple of people that reached out to me that I thought would actually be upset that we were going to be talking about this and were expressing the complete opposite, you know, saying thank you for being brave enough to speak up. It's a long time coming. It is. So here we go. All right, so let's dive in. Yeah, we're just going to kind of go back and forth and go through some of these questions that we have, these burning questions that we have for one another, because (laughs) this has kind of been something that we have avoided talking about again, because it's just felt like we weren't allowed to. In fact, I think we didn't even realize we had this commonality until like the last six months, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, all of a sudden we were like, did you? Yes. Did you? Oh my God. What? (laughs) Oh God. It's so embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. But here we are. Here we are. So can we start with you, Aim? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So tell us, how did you grow up? Like, how were you raised in religion? Was that part of your childhood? My journey is long and curvy and windy, but where I started was I broke down long church services. So mass every Sunday. We were Catholic. Um, Everyone, it seemed in my neighborhood, in my school, in my, I didn't even know anything else existed. I just thought everybody's Catholic. And Catholicism to me was that you had to go every single Sunday. I don't really know at that point if I knew like what was going to happen to me if I didn't. Maybe my mom was going to like beat my butt, but I really don't know what 
else. <laughs> so I, I had eventually memorized the mass so that I could like break it into fourths. And I was like, okay, we're in the third. Like we're good. We're three fourths of the way through. I went to CCD. I went through all the sacraments. Confession being one, which is the most bizarre thing in the universe now that I think about it. Even the Stations of the Cross at Easter. Did you do that? I have no idea what you're talking about. This is like Catholicism to me is like another realm. I'm like, I'm completely fascinated by it. Catholicism's complicated. I I don't even realize that it is until I talk to someone who's not Catholic and wasn't (laughs) raised Catholic. So there are seven sacraments and, you know, baptism is one. The difference is you get baptized as a baby. And then around seven years old, you go to CCD, which are classes at night to learn and memorize prayers and learn about not putting your butt on this. This is what I remember on the pew when you kneel, <laughs> like our CCD teacher would smack like our like arm to make us like get get up. Like you weren't allowed to rest your oh. ass on the pew. OK. Made God mad. I don't know. So. <laughs> I, the God I know now would just be giggling at that. So yeah. that's really funny. So imagine seven years old, you're you're going into your first confession and you have all of this memorized on how, what you say when you get in there. And, you know, words I don't even understand, like contrition, like how am I supposed to even know what that means at seven? And then you have your first Holy Communion, which is the body and the blood of Jesus. Uh, confirmation happens a little bit later, which is, you know, this idea that you can now hear or recognize the Holy Spirit even more, which is just more prayers you're memorizing. I believe after that, it's like marriage. And then like at the end, your last rites, that's not seven, but maybe we're missing one. Last rites. Isn't that like when you're dying? Yeah. That's one of the sacraments. Oh, okay. So miss any of these. And as a Catholic, I believed that meant damnation. (laughs) Oh my. Yeah, so I definitely thought I was going to hell if I missed any of those. Is that why it's like so important? Why like people are like for last rites? Yeah. Like, oh my god, yeah. Need to get in here. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Right. Because when, not to be like morbid or anything, when my mom was like die, like taking Did her they last breath, if they wanted, asked because there was a priest coming around, we're not Catholic. I'll tell you what we are, you know, in a minute. But we we're like yes, because my mom was so deeply religious yeah. that we just said yeah. Let's, like, let's just add. Just have keep, him, sure, do all the things. Do all the things. Okay, <laughs> let's just add it all in there. There's other just really bizarre things you do as a Catholic. One of those is the Stations of the Cross at Easter, and you go around the church. The pictures are up on the the walls. You probably don't recognize it unless you know, and you kneel and say some prayers at each one, and it's taking you through Jesus's all the way up to the crucifixion and then the rising of him three days later. As a child, I don't think I understood a single thing of that. I just knew everybody else at school was doing it. So cool. I'll do it too. (laughs) And if I didn't, I think that my mom would be really mad at me. (laughs) Later on, I did join youth group and that was much cooler. We did Habitat for Humanity, which I thought to be like a really cool thing that we did. Um, I've always had such a heart for the poor. That's a um, Christianese right there heart for Mm -hmm. just want to let you know it slipped in god help me (laughs) um i have always been drawn to helping the poor i just feel very much like that's important and i love that we did that i had a young priest at that time who ran the youth group he was so cool father mike rode a motorcycle but he fell in love and so then he had to leave Mm. and to me that kind of just that was my first crack really yeah and i was like i call bullshit (laughs) yeah So that can't love somebody. Yeah. So that's what made me. That was my first like, oh, this seems very weird. Mm. So that's how I was raised. Apparently you weren't raised Catholic. 
I was not. No. How did you how did you come up, Sarah? <laughs> I was raised Baptist. Holy shnikes! The beginnings of my religious background. I feel like it's so wild that I just want to share this because it just shows how far back the fucked upness it's a word look it up um (laughs) goes when it comes to religion so my grandfather how he was born into this world Uh uh-huh I always knew he was adopted so I was like oh I don't really know my lineage that far back and it always kind of bothered me because I I always wanted like tradition and I wanted to know where I came from and then one day my great aunt told me where I came from and I was my sisters and I were like wow I kind of wish I didn't know that what the what in southern West Virginia my great grandmother was 13 years old when a traveling Pentecostal preacher came to the town and set up a tent and had one of those tent revivals people come and praise the Lord and speak in tongues and all of this good stuff Fall down we'll get into oh we can't wait for that we (laughs) we got stories we got stories this preacher impregnated my 13 year old great grandmother oh that is where my grandfather came from so he was raised apparently by an aunt or uncle some distant relative I guess that they didn't know very well because she was so young and that's how my grandfather was brought into the world so he actually oddly enough after that entry into the world he himself became a Pentecostal preacher I was raised going to my own church because they lived a few hours away but also when we would visit my grandparents it would be on a weekend and so we would go to my grandpa's church so I would experience the Pentecostal church and I would experience the Baptist church and so that was what I was raised in and so while you have this very structured religious experience within Catholicism (laughs) I had this very chaotic, wild <laughs> experience. You don't know which way's up in in the church. So, how old were you when you found that out? I mean, it was I was in my twenties. I didn't know okay. for the longest time. That, there's so many things <laughs> wrong about that. So many things wrong about it. Okay. So that was where I started to crack. Where I was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, what do you mean a preacher?" came to town and impregnated a 13 year old girl what what do you mean by that to me that wasn't something that was possible like I couldn't wrap my brain around that I was like I don't understand which right right this was like um an immaculate conception right like yep so my grandfather's church they would speak in tongues and so if you're not familiar with this is how you were as a child this is where you went every Sunday no this was like once a month oh okay because we would go visit my grandpa a few hours away and that would be his church was this Pentecostal church okay so they would speak in tongues they did a lot of the same things the Baptist church does there was a lot of praise music and like hands being raised in the air while we sing and clapping and people talking with the preacher so the preacher would say something and people are like yes amen preach you know and like saying things back to the preacher and so that was like very similar between Baptist and Pentecostal it was just much more in the Pentecostal church than it was and you don't speak in the Catholic church right shut your mouth yes so (laughs) (laughs) there like I said was the speaking in tongues and which means basically it sounds like gibberish it does and what that apparently is supposed to be is that the Holy Spirit is speaking through you 
and that you are making these sounds that are coming directly from the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, the preacher would do healings. And so if somebody was not well or couldn't walk, you know, he could place his hand on the, this is my grandpa, Mm -hmm. place his hand on their forehead and they would fall back with the spirit of God would be rushed through them. And as a child, I giggled a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I could just see little Sarah. And my mom would just shoot daggers at me through her eyes. It was rough. Flash forward several years to when my grandmother passed away and my grandfather performed the service in, of course, the Pentecostal service. And my sisters and I could not stop laughing at our own grandmother's funeral. It was one of those things where like all of the feelings overcome you and you're uncomfortable, like you're so uncomfortable. So like the only thing that your body can do is laugh. And so we were like heads down. Were they trying silent. to bring her back to life? No, but it was just, <laughs> it was all of the, the, the pomp and circumstance yes, of yes, those types yes. of services. And so our shoulders are heaving like in silent laughter. And we so totally see it. we're like hoping people think we're just crying right. really hard, you know, and my mom is like punching the side of my leg and it was just It was so hard to control ourselves, but that's what I was brought up in. And, you know, I got very involved, though, in the Baptist church because it's a much more toned down version of that. There is no there are no speaking in tongues. There's no falling backwards with the laying of the hands, but there are laying of the hands. Oh, I know all about that. You can come up to the front and you can have them lay hands on you, which just means basically like if you kneel down and you're sort of bent over that they'll put their hands on your back or your shoulder or the top of your head and pray over you. And that can be for physical or emotional I wish you torment. all could see me. I'm triggered so hard right now. I'm stretching my so- neck. I don't even know. Oh, God. Okay. That happened a lot. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, there were times that I really felt something there you know I, I never went up to the front but I could feel the, the energy in the room you know because there is that collective I can get behind the energy yeah. in the room absolutely and as Baptists as well we did take communion we only did it once a month where I think in Catholicism you do it every week right oh yeah <laughs> So we did it once a month. But only if you've gone to confession and you haven't right. missed church. Right. Because if you go up a sinner, yeah, means nothing. Yes. I think I was like 12, I think. And my really good friend was Catholic. And I had spent the night with her on a Saturday night. And so on Sunday morning, we went to church. And I only had the clothes that I brought with me. I didn't know I was going oh, to be going shoot. to church. So I had like a little matching short set. Mm-hmm. I was 12. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was like little floral shorts. And then it was a little top that was white, but the collar was also floral that matched the shorts. I'm sure you're seeing the nineties outfit now. <laughs> I see it. And it was like the button up, mm-hmm. you know, sleeveless thing. And when I came in, the priest said to me that I was dressed inappropriately for church. Mm. I was like so mortified. I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh my gosh. So I'm uncomfortable. Right. I'm so uncomfortable. And then it came time for communion and I was like, oh, you know, and oh, I started no. to get up. You can't do that, To Sarah. go up to the front to communion. No. And my friend's mom like pushed me back down yeah. into the pew and she's like, you can't take communion. And I was like, why? I take it at my church. Yeah. She's like, you're not Catholic. You can't take it. Yeah. You didn't and go through I the sacrament. understand. I was like, I don't why why I was like I believe the same thing as you do I thought I'm here for the same reason you're here yeah like why can't I take this communion I was so a little bit of elitism in Catholicism yeah like well 
and Christianity as a whole. But in this moment in time, what we're talking about, I do feel like there was because it was like you had to do it their way. Yeah. Or it didn't count. Right. Yeah. So that's how it was brought up and then I got really involved in like we had praise bands so it was like we didn't have you know your traditional like organist and and everything where you would we would sing hymns but we would sing like the words were up on a screen and there was like a drummer and a guitarist like it's a band like a praise band we had like an acting troupe that I was a part of so like we would do skits at church like in the services I remember doing one on like teen sexuality and I had to like kiss the like one guy and everybody was like <gasps> like in the <laughs> that I had like Gosh. kissed this person in church like in the service yeah. as part of the skit it was very forward thinking you know very yeah as you were listening to DC talk exactly duh <laughs> I was brought up wearing a purity ring and making a promise to God to keep myself pure until I married and yeah so that was that was my upbringing in the church <laughs> little bit different a little bit different but <laughs> our paths will soon cross yes the things yes, you are will. saying come into my future so as a little child it influenced me in mostly in fear I think because I told Sarah this story last night I would lay in bed I, I really really remember it because I remember the posts on my bed I had like a canopy bed and I would look up at the ceiling and I would be like oh my gosh and try to envision God's chalkboard and how many tick marks I had on the good and bad side and so I was like wondering like okay well if I go and I make sure I remember to confess to the priest all of these things maybe that will get erased and then the balance it out and then this and that and maybe I'll get to go to heaven I'm not sure and so I was really scared a lot of the time I was very scared of breaking rules I was so scared of hell and um that comes back around to later on but I was so so scared and another thing that started kind of for me just with Catholicism not necessarily Christianity that kind of broke a little bit I was like huh it's real weird that Catholics don't read the Bible themselves and only the priests are allowed I was like that's bizarre and so I thought that you know as you know a person who's always questioning everything why am I not allowed to interpret it I asked the question because you know as I do it's because the priest has more connection to God more power whatever maybe Catholicism has changed but back in the day that's how it was it was just the priest he did the homily which was when they read from the Bible one of the stories and then he explained it to you and I wish you could see my face I'm just like huh yeah the whole you saying that they have a deeper connection or like a more of a connection to God is what get, that's where I'm like says who like well, I, I mean if you have the Pope I mean you've got a hierarchy there and so the Catholics are always into hierarchy and um, I believe that's where it came from I am sure somebody's gonna come back and be like you're wrong <laughs> and that's fine I don't know my Catholicism perfectly I only know what I remember and my memory is pretty shitty so who knows <laughs> So anyways, that takes me to high school, right? So my senior year of high school, I moved away and I went to a different state, saw different people. And that is where I was like, huh. And I met people like Sarah and I was like, this is interesting. They believe something real different. This is a whole new world for me. And it wasn't necessarily better. <laughs> it was more intense. And so that's like where it, God wasn't just on Sundays. It was every day. The idea of being born again is that's the first time I'd ever heard that before. I was like, I have all the sacraments. I'm fucking fine. <laughs> and 
and they were like no really you're not at all and at that point I think that you know it was the opposite where they were like looking down on Catholics like Catholics don't have any idea what it means to be a believer in Jesus and that is where I was introduced into that awesome music that we just listened to and um, all sorts of youth groups with just like Sarah described with the music up on the screen and the hands raised. Uh, but also imagine your senior year moving. You're just trying to fit in. You're like, okay, I guess I'll do this and smoke weed on the side. I don't know. <laughs> um, I did not fit in. And then that was also where I was introduced to Young Life as well, which uh, I did not get involved in. And we will hear all about that from uh, Miss Sarah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that would be when I would say that I like, had a little bit of a shift from Catholicism and was introduced to the world of the other side of Christianity, right? Yeah, I feel like there are so many different denominations within the Christian faith. But I had no idea. Right. But it's basically for me, in my brain, it's like there's Catholicism and, and then everything else. everything else. Yeah. <laughs> so when did you start down your own like path? Mine was also in high school. I still remained within the Baptist church. Like I was going every Sunday with my parents and every Wednesday evening. And then I also found Young Life and became heavily involved in that. So Young Life was like this thing that just kind of propelled me into my own section of beliefs. You know, it's funny, like I always thought of myself as this like good little girl who never questioned her faith and was always fully committed and fully in. But as we're going through these things, I'm remembering very clearly thinking to myself, like, this isn't right. Something <laughs> is wrong yeah. in several different circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the ways that I started to sort of veer away from the church and more towards organizations like Young Life and becoming more involved with that was I started dating a boy who was black mm -hmm. and my preacher his daughter was a good friend of mine and she said to me you can't date a, black, a black guy and I was like what do you mean and she's like it says it in the bible does it now and I said does it well show me she's like well my dad's a pastor he knows and I said, I don't even care if it does say that in the Bible. That's ridiculous. I was like, this is not right. And I spoke up and I said that to her and we didn't hang out again ever after that. And that was, it was like instances like that, that happened where I would question. And mm -hmm. when we start to get into talking about red flags yeah. and things, you know, that's obviously one of them, but I questioned all of the red flags but I never saw myself as someone who questioned my faith. But now retelling this and rethinking through it, I'm like, man, I did. I did a lot. I questioned a lot. But my own path towards or through religion, be, like with my own choices and everything began with Young Life in ninth grade. And oh, okay. um, that was its own life. So let's get ready for story time with Sarah. <laughs> and... Um, because I, I haven't heard this yet. I want to hear, like, I want to see how, also I'm curious to see how it lines up with what I went through or was involved with, but I want to hear about your time in Young Life. Okay, so <laughs> Young Life experience. I began it in ninth grade, and I remember the very first thing I went to was, it was in the evening. I, I think we also did Wednesday nights. Maybe it was a different night. I don't know, so that everybody else could go to their Wednesday night church as well, but maybe it was Thursdays. As you all know from us talking about it a lot on here is that music is a huge thing for me. Well, 
the first like 25 minutes of Young Life is singing. And so I was like so into it, mm-hmm. you know, like this is great. This is like my way to express my love and mm-hmm. my faith. It was all the hands raising and singing all of the praise songs that I'm sure we all know if you've been through it. I specifically remember this beautiful version of Amazing Grace that was kind of like what won me over. And then there's this guy that's in his 20s, early 20s, getting up and speaking to us. And so I'm like, oh, I can relate much mm-hmm, more to this right. guy than I can my pastor who's Some in old his 50s. white man. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like he's talking about stuff I can relate to. And yeah. So I was really drawn in. And plus, there were a lot of kids there that were good friends of mine that were more on the popular side. So it was like, okay, the cool kids are doing this too. So I'm, I'm down. This is great. Mm -hmm. I was totally in. I started dating a guy that was was in my church and he was also in young life and had the purity ring. And we like walked the walk and talked the talk. And then things started to go a little wonky Mm -hmm. (laughs) where I started questioning things And that would be within my group of friends. So I had a really hard time with the experiences I went through with them up until even like a couple of years ago, it would still bother me. I would still think about these experiences and I was like, man, I got to let this shit go. Like blows my mind how deeply those things get like rooted Mm -hmm. into us. There was an instance that just, this is, this was the one thing that I was like, this is fucked up. There was an argument between me and a friend of mine. And the argument was we both liked the same boy. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so this boy liked me and I wanted to date him and I was basically told by my group of friends within Young Life that I wasn't allowed because it it wasn't fair mm-hmm. basically so if he doesn't like her and we both like him it's just better if neither of us date him because it's just not fair but this whole argument came about because I asked those questions I was like can we talk about what fair means can we like what what does all of this mean? Because I was trying to understand the air quotes here rules. Sure. Of what I was allowed to do. Right. <laughs> and being told what I could and couldn't do. And that got me basically like banished for a while. Within that time that I was banished, this group of friends was holding prayer ceremonies for me where they would get together sit in a circle and hold hands and light candles and pray to God to save my sinning soul because I was such a bad sinner that they had to hold these ceremonies for me. This is one of those times you wish you had us on YouTube. Yeah. (laughs) The faces I'm making, I can't even, I, I'm sorry. And I, I mean, you're going to want to say the same thing back to me, but like, I'm, that just is terrible. They were probably going to rebuke you. Sarah. Yeah. Another Christian, Christian. Yes. Word. The best part about these ceremonies is that I got to hear about them. They would tell me we got together last night and prayed for your soul. <laughs> and I just remember oh, thinking, fuck. what? You try to find the genesis of your depression and you try to find these things mm-hmm. that are like have weaved their way into your, your brain. And I have had for years this feeling of unworthiness and feeling like I wasn't good enough. And right. 
a lot of that is rooted within these experiences of basically being told that my soul wasn't good enough, that I had to have a group of people pray for me on a consistent basis so that I could be worthy and that I could be healed and I could be a part of their group again. That was the biggest red flag that I had (laughs) within that group. Young Life also offers these opportunities to work on their summer camps. So they have these summer camps throughout the country. The one that was closest to us was in upstate New York. And so I was like so stoked to be able to go work on summer staff. I was slated to run the ropes course, which was like so my jam. I was like so excited about it. Well, then all of these rumors started going around because that was another fun thing. Right. There were just constant rumors about everybody's business. Mm -hmm. So there was this rumor going around that I had had sex with someone. Mm. Okay, well, just to let you know, in high school, I did not. I was a virgin. (laughs) Not that anybody even needs to know that. Like, it was just a constant having to defend myself. Yeah. A constant having to say, like, to to prove myself as a good person. And so there was just these rumors flying around. So the Young Life leader came to me and he said, I will not endorse you to go to be a summer staff member. And... I was like, why not? And he said, well, because I heard that you Mm -hmm. have had sex. And I was like, okay, first of all, none of your business. Second of all, I didn't. Not that it matters, but I didn't. And he's like, well, I can't be behind you and I can't put my name on this paper saying that you're in a good spot in your life. In your walk with God. In your walk with Christ to go and lead other kids in their walks with Christ. Yes. If you are partaking in these types of activities. Because you have to be above reproach, Sarah. Like your face is so And you probably were like hanging out with the boy and that's just not, that's not above (laughs) reproach. That way people could make rumors and those rumors are your fault. Absolutely. That's how I was told. I'm being totally sarcastic, people. (laughs) I'm just reliving a part of my life that I want to barf right now. Yeah. Okay. He wouldn't endorse me, but I was able to go anyways. I don't know how, why, whatever, but as a I was able to go as a le- Yeah. Mm, motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. Suck on that. So- <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're listening. <laughs> but that man made my life hell. That guy who, who pulled me in initially that I, you know, watched him speak at the first session and was like, this is for me. I'm so like happy in yep. this place. He just like fed into those rumors yep. and he was like so into the drama and was constantly in all of our business went to his head. and like would pull people aside and be like I have I heard this and I heard that and I wanted to be like you're the leader like you're supposed to squash this type of stuff instead of being feeding into the rumor mill and p- pulling people out and calling them out for things that like they're trying to fight these rumors at school themselves. Right. And now this is after school and they're still dealing with it. Like, good Lord, where is your leadership? Like, where well, are he you? He reminds me of Jesus to Jesus. Ugh, Gwen Shamblin. Gwen Shamblin. Yeah. Because that's how she ran things. Too. Right. Right. All on rumors. I lived my life in the rumor mill Aww. in high school and it <laughs> was just hurt no fun. I know. <laughs> Assholes. But I just, you know, I went to summer staff, I went to to camp, and I absolutely loved it. Like, I loved the people I met there. And there were just, like, some really great things that I 
gleaned from my time and my years. Yeah. Those were the first big red flags within religion for me. I'll never forget my longest running boyfriend in high school. I was, I was like a serial monogamist. I constantly had a boyfriend. (laughs) I, you know, have this boyfriend for like eight months. And then this one for, I, I dated this one guy for like almost two years and his parents were Catholic and we, you know, abstained from sex. And I was, I kept having these nightmares that I was being raped. It was so bizarre. I was really close to his parents. So I talked to his mom about it. I'm like, I can't sleep at night. Like I just keep having this nightmare and it keeps coming over and over again. And she's like, I think it's you trying to work out the fact that like you want to have this intimate relationship with my son, Mm -hmm. but you can't like, you're not allowed to. Wow. Yeah. What Um, about you? Well, I think before we get into me, we should take a little break and remind people that we are up for the best podcast. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. I do. I think we should tell them right now. All right. Let's do it. (laughs) I want to remind everybody that we are up for the best podcast in Pittsburgh. Yay! And I am super excited about it. Sarah's super excited about it. And it is so easy to vote. You only vote once. That's it. We can only get one vote from you. So we are going to put the link in the show notes. The link is also in our link tree on Instagram. And it is just one click, add your email. That's it. It really helps us to get our name out there to more people and let more people both in this city and all over the country know about what we're doing on here I'm going to take this opportunity to say something really cool because I was going through our analytics and like looking because I'm such a you guys know I'm a nerd for all the details and the data thank god for it (laughs) I love the data Uh so our number one city of listeners is Pittsburgh obviously because that's where we're from from. do you know what our number two city in the United States is Philly no Seattle (gasps) oh So I wanted to say... Oh, I just got chills. <laughs> I wanted to say, what up, Seattle? Hey, Seattle. <laughs> and oh, my thanks gosh. thanks for listening. And, you know, kind of keep spreading the word and telling that people so about us. That is so cool. So cool. It's it's a, one of my favorite cities. I, I planned no. on living there. I visited. I loved it so much. Thank you, Seattle, for tuning in. Yeah. And I just and wanted, you can vote, too. You can vote. To, everybody Anybody can vote. Anybody can vote. You don't even have to live in the United States. <laughs> Yeah, just because we're up for best uh, best podcast in Pittsburgh doesn't mean that you have to live here to vote for us. You can just go to that link and go ahead and throw your email address in there. And it's really exciting. We're going to shout out some of our Woo-hoo. top listening states and countries. So besides Pennsylvania, obviously, is number one. What up, PA? PA! <laughs> this is just in the past two weeks, our top listeners, the, the Seattle's of all time, um, our so number two cool. city. But so for the past two weeks, our top listeners are coming from California, yes. Georgia, Texas, Ohio, Illinois, Colorado, Florida, North Carolina, New York, Michigan, Massachusetts, Hawaii, and Maine. So those are our top What if states. that was our speaking tour? Oh! <laughs> Thank you. We're there. For the past two weeks, those are our top states in the U.S. And then our top countries in the world, obviously the U.S. is number one. But second is the U.K. Nice. Next is Canada, Netherlands, then Bangladesh, Australia, Croatia, Ireland, Iceland, and Latvia. So that's the past two weeks. That's incredible. Yeah. So I just, it just like gave me the chilies, the chill bumps. Wow. So I just wanted to say, hey. Everything we can do to get our word out there even more is, is really just because we're here to help people. We're here to say the things that nobody else wants to say to tell their embarrassing stories (laughs) like we're doing on this episode. Um, 
But thank you guys so much for listening and supporting us. If you could just click and vote for us in the show notes, that would be so incredible. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Mm. All right. Going back into the the wild world of religion. Amy, give it to us. What do you got? I don't know. Are you ready for it? I feel like like y'all need to buckle up. Um, Hold on to your butts, peeps. Yeah. Okay. So right when I started college, so my freshman year, now, mind you, I've been through Catholicism, this born again stuff over in Ohio, like all these things. I'm trying to figure it out. And I start college and I just know there's something more. And I know that we're not like going into the dirt. I know there's a reason for us to all be here. I know that, you know, all of these things to be true. But the contradictions between um, Christianity and the things I also believed confused me. The Catholicism confused me. I just, I didn't understand it. So I just kept searching and searching and searching. This is hilarious because I hated mass and I couldn't wait to get out of my house. So I never had to go again, but I continued (laughs) to go once I was in college. So I would party all night and then go to mass on Sunday morning um, at the local Catholic church. I I bet Kathy was so proud of you. Yeah, she's probably giggling now, but like (laughs) the fear, I think, was part of it. I just felt like it was the right thing to do. And I just want to follow rules because that's who I was. I also joined. Are you ready for it? I think so. A Christian sorority. You did not. (laughs) You did not. I looked it up. It doesn't exist anymore because I was trying to figure out the name of it. Um, What? (laughs) It was... You gave me so much shit about being in a sorority. This was a Jesus-centered Jesus-centered sorority where... How is that better? <laughs> I, don't, I don't fucking know, okay? I don't know. I don't remember much. I just know that it was low-key. I didn't feel like it was weird. I didn't have any red flags. We did like a dance or two, and we had meetings and prayed for each other. Okay, so that's that's my Greek life. <laughs> Okay, so all the while this is going on, I decide I'm going to start to research Buddhism. I started reading uh, Celestian Prophecy and Conversations with God, which, you know, are actually pretty fucking cool books now that, like, I'm back on the other side of things. Then it was of the devil. But I was Mm -hmm. like, this is very cool. And they're like, you cannot go new age. But I was (laughs) really trying to search for the meaning of life. I believed in God so fiercely. And I just wanted it to fit in with my life. So this all coincided with my diagnosis with mental illness. So now I have anxiety and depression. And it left me feeling really alone. It left me feeling crazy, confused, and what I really wanted was community so that I could not feel these things. And instead of community, I decided to go with boys. So (laughs) I just was on this desperate journey to have what Sarah had in high school and have a boyfriend. I hadn't really had like a serious boyfriend except for one. So it just so happened the two boys that I fell madly in love with, obviously at different (laughs) timeframes, led me to, um, the navigators, which was the group on my campus. And I say all of this with love and compassion because I do not believe anyone in that group ever had ill will towards anyone. So that's going to be the only time that you hear me say something where I'm like making sure that people understand like this is not against you. 
the church as a whole, go fuck yourself. But these people, <laughs> like, I think really were trying to do what was right and what they believed. But it ended up not being good for me. I joined the group for the one boy. But then while I was there, met the other boy and I fell in love with him even more. So he ended up being my husband. So that was Scott. And so I met him in Navigators. He um, played in the worship band and he was just so fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> and you know for the christian world <laughs> stop it <laughs> he was still really cool i just that you know when you're in that group like man he just stood out this is where i learned about being an evangelical being an evangelical was a whole new ball game the news was broke to me and it broke me in a million pieces that not everyone goes to heaven hmm. and i didn't really know that nor did i ever like think that as a Catholic I just felt like in that world you just do good things and that's how you, like if you're a good person mm -hmm. then you go to heaven so that was a that was crushing that was so soul crushing to me so then I went on a mission and I I'd like to say it was out of love but I think it was out of fear that I was gonna save everyone you were all going to be able to go to heaven with me. Oh man, it is a really sad road to be on because you don't really have relationships other than to save them. Mm -hmm. So this played out by taking a lot of my time in this group. I mean, so much time. Uh, there was only one way to think and believe. This is just it. This is where I learned the whole raising hands in worship and the laying hands on one another, one another to pray. And then the worst part of it in my opinion, was the purity culture. And the purity culture, like, really, really messed me up, messed Scott up. And that's a whole other story that I don't need to get into. Basically, though, it, it ends with the fact that Scott and I got married way too soon because we wanted to have sex. I mean, we were like young adults. Who doesn't want to? We were both virgins still because, you know... I was terrified of fucking up here. There was this idea that if you do what God wants, you will be rewarded. And so that is false. <laughs> um, my marriage was harder than most. And we definitely, definitely took the hard road to get there. So this whole idea that I felt like I believed so strongly that waiting for him and then waiting to like kiss and waiting to have sex and waiting to live together would was somehow making it like tracking with God so that then later on he would bless us in our marriage false Dwight. so we marry move to Colorado we join another evangelical powerhouse uh, a vineyard church you know those? I do know those. Ah, yes. nice. Bringing you back in, girl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, we lost way more of our time, five days a week. Got more involved. Our marriage was not okay. We didn't really know why. He wasn't diagnosed at that time. My mental health was definitely not getting the help that it needed because everything could be prayed away. That's not true, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so when we were honest and we told people about our problems, they just said, you know, that you need to have more quiet time. You needed to pray more. You're not praying enough. Ask more people to pray for you. Well, remember when we covered Gwen Shamblin, mm -hmm. 
and there was the woman who was suffering from depression yeah. and they made her go off of her medication yep. and said, you're not praying hard enough. Yep. And she that ended hit. up, she had to drive to a different city to admit herself into the emergency room to get emergency care because she was having suicidal ideations because she had like cold turkey stopped her antidepressants. And this is what, I mean, th- that was, it was, it was, you needed to pray. And I'm, and I'm not going to say back in college that they made me do it, but it was encouraged. And the same thing, it, it was the worst, the worst feeling coming off of that. It was just, it, it was, you just should never come off of your meds like that. But really it was just this idea that God would wash it all over you and you would be like free and it's not true. So we believed that obedience would bring the peace, the happiness. And so I did find the Psalm, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Mm. I had that shit written everywhere. Right. False. (laughs) Scott and I are, are here. We, we, you know, we're struggling ourselves, but we are seriously like in love with Jesus. We are in love with God. We truly want to, we want to skip the bullshit We want people, all broken people to be accepted, loved, cared for, and be authentic. So we decide that we're going to church plant. That's another Christianese word. Yes. So we're going to start our own church. Holy crap, man. I cannot believe, like, I knew this about you, but still, that, it's mind-blowing. So Scott had visions of it that I thought were, like, really amazing, and it was more of, like, a coffeehouse comedy, like, gaming type community right where everyone was welcome like you just really dropped the bullshit at the door and it was just about the fact that God loves you and we love you and so the vineyard has a version of seminary that I don't don't doubt that they do now but (laughs) that we decided to join expensive as all hell so Scott and I go back to school and believe it or not Scott did better than me in this uh it was me who was like um excuse me hold on one second because at one point near the end, and this is what I feel like really, really fucked with me is when you get high enough in leadership, you hear the truth. We were told when you church plant and someone comes in and they've had a negative experience with the church, you encourage them to look elsewhere mm. because they will bring negativity, questioning things to your community and you couldn't handle that. Where have we heard characteristics like this before I know I'm getting to the red flags people (laughs) if you can't tell I'm getting there they're right here so I said fuck that I remember getting up and leaving the class and Scott just was like uh I mean it's usually (laughs) the other way around so it's hilarious but he really thrived on the fact that like there was so much deep learning and history and he was so good at that so he was like okay I'm gonna stick around I was like fine whatever um I'm out and then eventually um a whole crew of people ended up leaving the church all of our friends the leaders It, it was like as if this veil of like the bullshit kind of just came across for everyone so we left and we tried really, really hard when we moved to Pittsburgh to find a church. It did not work. The hipster, bullshit, navigator, vineyard type churches. We just, I was like, I cannot do this. I cannot, I cannot do that. I just can't. It was like really hard for me to stomach it. And so same with Scott. So we both were extremely committed to God at that point and Jesus and said, we're just leaving the church. Now, red flags. Okay, so they control your time. Yes, check. Check. Fear-based. Check. Check. (laughs) Purity culture. I have so much to say about that. 
Well, let's say it now, because I have to tell you that I was fucked up until I met Mike. Yeah. Purity culture did a number on me. I never really enjoyed sex until I was 40. Was that 41? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were 41 when you met him. That's fucked up. Yeah. That's a whole long life. And it wasn't because like Scott and I weren't compatible in that way. It was because they made us think it was so dirty and bad and gross and awful. And so how do you just like, oh, you got a ring now. So now you can go fuck. Like, what are you talking about? You just told me <laughs> you not signed to. a piece of paper. Yeah, so exactly. You are each other's property. Ugh. <laughs> Did you want to add to that before I go on to my red list of red flags? I, I mean, so purity culture pretty much guided the way that I behaved in my college life, to be honest with you, because, you know, as I've shared on here before, I was sexually assaulted in high school at 15 years old. And so when you are in the Christian community, I, you know, part of purity culture is basically that you are ruined once your body has been shared with someone else before marriage, that you are to share yourself and keep yourself pure for your forever partner. And, you know, we did things like where they would cut out a heart out of construction paper and you would sit in the circle and everybody would tear off a piece oh, yeah. of the heart. Did you guys do this? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so you'd pass it around and, and then you would try to tape it all back together and they would be like, this is your body. Yes. After you've given yourself to so many people, this is what you're going to then attempt to give to and your this forever partner. this is why partner. you save it for your husband. And this is exactly. It's a gift that you are giving yeah. him. So purity culture was huge in the time that you and I were in high mm-hmm. school and college because it was that late 90s, early 2000s. Joshua Harris, I kissed the eating goodbye. <laughs> he oh says, my gosh, I forgot about that. He has since apologized. Has he really? He has come out. I've done a lot of research and deep dives because I had to for the book, these parts. He has apologized and he is very sorry for what he did. Wow. And of course I forgive him. I mean, he was just as messed up as the rest of us. Right. Um, and he is no longer a believer at all. Wow. Um, and divorced, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, he was like 20. And he wrote that telling the rest of us how to like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. date to marry. Yeah. So six feet apart. We had COVID guidelines before COVID was here. <laughs> <laughs> Dating and Christianity. Dating distancing. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it really messed me up. So I believed that, you know, my body was ruined and I believed that my sexual assault was my fault. That is what I was going to say. What mm-hmm. you wear. Yeah. What you, how you act, mm-hmm. the flirtation, all your fault. You are causing that boy to stumble. Correct. It is your fault. Yes. So, and, and the fact that the boy that I was assaulted by was not a part of our Christian community. And so I invited that as well into my life because I was hanging with somebody that wasn't, you know, a part of our faith. So I believed that I was ruined. And so it didn't matter. I got to college and even though I still viewed myself and I I even said it a little bit ago, I told him I was still a virgin because that's just that I was like, I am, I am just because I pretended like that didn't happen. Sure. But once I got to college and I was given the opportunity to question my faith and things that were were happening, because, you know, a lot of times college will be able to do that for you. Yeah. I was like, well, my body's ruined. I already had sex. May as well just <laughs> go well. and have some fun. So, you know, Aww. made my rounds in the college world and I did not save myself. 
I wish I would have done that. No, no, because then I wish I didn't, you know. It's a journey, right? Everybody has their own journey. Exactly. But yeah, purity culture definitely messed with me a lot. I I really feel like it hurt a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And when the only option is to get married, you get married way too soon. Mm -hmm. You don't know the other person. And marriage is really hard. And I think that for our community, the navigators, most of the people aren't together anymore Mm. because of that. Yeah. Nor do they believe anymore either. Wow. So how about this? Let's get back to our red flags. How about the secret language? The Christianese, right? (laughs) Like, you know, because when you watch all these cult shows, they say words that you're like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. Nexium had their own language Mm -hmm. that they used. A lot, yeah, a lot of the cults do. It's all that Amanda Montel book, Cultish, talks about the language and linguistics and everything right. behind it. It's really fascinating. Right. And then not not being allowed to question things. That should be your number one red flag, folks. Yeah. It is frowned upon to wonder or question or especially someone in authority. Mm-hmm. So those were the red flags I came up with. Did you have any others? I mean, those those are fantastic, and I agree with those are my same red flags. Yeah. And so I do just want to say, like I said, I, I went to college, and in my freshman year, I took a religion course. And Did that blow your mind, Sarah? It completely. So I went to a Disciples of Christ school. Like, my college, Bethany College, is, a, is? Dis- is a Disciples of Christ school. Oh, see, that was God, like, being like, you can't handle that, Amy. Yeah. <laughs> There is a Disciples of Christ church on campus. And, you know, but that to me, like the pastor was a woman. So like I was like, oh, yes. So I was even diving Mm -hmm. kind of further into my faith at that point, my freshman year. Well, second. So that's first semester of freshman year. Second semester, I take this religion course. And the professor opened my eyes to be able to start to question because first class, I remember her saying, question everything. We're allowed to do that? I love that. We can question stuff? Because before, any question I asked, why can't I date a black boy? Yeah. Why is my body ruined? How is that my fault? How is it my fault? Yeah. Why am I being prayed for? Because... You know, like what's, what makes me so much worse than you? Mm-hmm. Like all of those questions were met with resistance or blaming me, making me feel unworthy. Mm-hmm. And so when I was like, wait, I can ask a question. And then she started to go through some of these parables and things like that and be like, let's talk about how this is impossible. And I was like, hold up. <laughs> you're breaking down the Bible and telling me that something in the Bible isn't possible. Like I was like, Oh my gosh, what is happening? What is happening? Did you feel like lightning was going to strike you? I did. (laughs) I remember that like that for me too. And the first times that I, yeah. Mm -hmm. But then something like clicked in my brain and I was like, Oh my gosh, like it's okay. It's okay for me to think something different. That's a great thing that you had that class. Thank goodness. Let's back up one second. So first semester of my freshman year. Also, I was dating a religion major who was going to be going to seminary after to become a pastor. And so I was like deeply entrenched even further into the church and in my faith and everything. I lost my virginity to him. Mm -hmm. Shockingly enough, 
this boy who was going to be a preacher, he was like, I want to marry you. I want to be with you. Like, this is it. Like, we are going to be husband and wife. I went home with him. He lived in Cleveland. I would go home with him and he would like guest preach at his church. And it was like, I was the pastor's wife. Like I would sit in the front pew wearing my little cardigan and skirt set yeah. and like hands folded in the lap uh-huh. and like we're greeting people after church. Oh God, like it, I was like living the life of that the was, preacher's that wife. Was all of our dreams, right? Yes, Except yes. for me, I wanted to be the preacher. Yeah. No, I was totally fine oh, being no. the preacher's wife. Okay. I was like, just let me sing in church and I'm good. Oh my God. I'm so glad that's not you. (laughs) Then fast forward to second semester, I take this class. The beginning of that, though, was that he broke up with me. And I was like, hold on, because that shattered my world's thought. I went to Planned Parenthood when we started having sex because I was terrified. I'm like, what if I get pregnant? Oh, like, that's the worst I'm thing that could so happen. Screwed I know. if I get pregnant. So I went to Planned Parenthood and they're asking me, like, you know, how many sexual partners have you had? And I was like, one. And I even said, I was like, he's going to be the only one. We're getting married. And I will never forget that nurse laughed out loud at me. <laughs> I would have laughed, too. I mean, now I would have. Back then, I would have been like, that's so beautiful. Can I pray for you and your relationship? (laughs) Oh, my God. I used to do stuff like that. I would have put my hands right on your head and shoulder. And I would have been like, dear God, please bless this relationship. And I can't do anymore because I can't do it with a straight face. She laughed out loud. And I remember heat rising like in my face and getting like embarrassed and angry at the same time because I was like no you don't understand I am going to marry him like I'm not going to be with anybody else we're going to stop doing it too but I'm just doing this just in case so it was like we kept saying like oh we're not going to do it anymore we're not going to do it anymore well you know we're like 18 and so yeah that didn't work out too well so then he broke up with me and I remember being devastated because I was like, you have you ruined, ruined me. me. Yes. Like you have ruined my, and that was again, the purity culture coming in. Like you've ruined me for my future husband now. Yeah. You said you wanted to marry me and now look what you've done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm, I'm now damned to hell. Thank you for that. And then I went to that class and I was like, okay, wait, is this an excuse for me to be like, okay, am I not so bad? Am I, is it okay? Can I move on? Can I be a good person? Oh, that internal monologue that mixes with all the things we're told. Mm -hmm. It really, it wrecked us. Yeah. So I guess that kind of really does take us into the next question. How did this affect your mental health? And, um, I mean, we've kind of said enough about it, but I can just, I can say, uh, this is what I wrote down. Hot damn. (laughs) Loaded question. And, you know, I can only speak for myself. I cannot speak for Scott because I don't know, but it made me feel shame for having a mental illness. And so I pretended like I didn't. I wasn't close enough to God to be well. And so I felt like I had done something really wrong and I wasn't giving it up to him. And I wasn't trusting him and I, all of these things. And that is why I have this mental illnesses. Also, I wasn't getting treated properly because we were encouraged to only go to Christian counselors. Well, in Christian counseling, guess what you do? You pray. So it's just more prayer. What I've learned in regular therapy is just so much more impactful and useful to really actually help with my illness. So 
it, I feel like it stopped me from getting the help that I needed. I feel like it stopped me from really, truly healing because it led me to that place of being busy because five nights a week I was volunteering for some shit. And also, you know, that false belief that it was my fault and I just was not giving it up to God and I did not trust him. And so therefore I have this mental illness. So I didn't tell anyone or share it because it was embarrassing that I couldn't shake it. I couldn't heal it. I didn't know God well enough. So that is how it affected me mentally, if I'm specifically about the illness. So, yeah. I mean, it affected my mental health more later in life than it did at that time. I mean, it was affecting me at that time. I did end up succumbing to an eating disorder and I was having anxiety and depression without knowing. I was never diagnosed until later on in life. I had feelings of worthlessness. <laughs> I still struggle with feelings of worthlessness. That's like one of the big ones yeah. is worth. Months after my dad died, I was broken at that time. Instead of comfort, I had a lot of questions and I felt like I couldn't ask those questions. And I had a lot of sadness and despair and you can't feel despair you can be sad for a yeah. little bit but you and then no and you can't be despair hopeless. is of the devil hopelessness is of the, the devil. devil that is who's giving you those feelings yeah you can't feel that way yeah so you gotta that's i told you guys a million times i was raised with you pick yourself back up and you get on with life pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you get to live in that's right and other things of the devil, yoga, <laughs> things I love, tarot cards, yoga, oh uh, mediums, all of the devil. I'll never forget my mother going down this whole thing like, what? Meditation. No, it was ch it was chakras. Oh. When I started, I got my certification to be a chakra therapist and she was just like. She sat in that class. She did. did. She and did. I was shocked. She did. She wanted to learn about it because she wanted to know where this information was coming from. Uh -huh. And so I was like explaining to her energy. It was like, uh-uh. She's like, energy? She like, no, no, that's no. the devil. There's, there's, <laughs> that's not science. That's just the devil. Yeah. So where have you landed, Sarah? Well, where are you today? Today I have faith. Today I believe in God. Today I pray every day. However, you will not catch me in a church anywhere you right. will not catch me saying that I identify as a Christian even because you guys it's like hard for me to even say I went to go get a procedure I had an endoscopy done the other day and they ask you anytime they put you under Always. anesthesia would you like to you know say are you affiliated with any type of religion and I said no yeah I can't even bring myself to say that I am a Christian because to me that word, the connotation that comes with it, the feelings that are behind it from everything that I've experienced makes me feel sick. It makes me like catch yeah. it, gag, literally gag in my throat where I feel like I'm going to be ill. I still say it because I feel that latent, that, that deep, deep fear and the guilt and the guilt. It just made me realize I always say Christian. Why? I don't even know. There's something about going under. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, I don't want to tempt fate, but well, that's not even what I believe guys at all, yeah. at all, at all, at all. Like my, I have landed in a nice place. And so that is not it. 
Yeah. I mean, like I said, I believe in God. Mm -hmm. I have this relationship with God. I speak to God every day and I meditate. You know, I, I always say like prayer is talking to God. Meditation is listening to God. And so I believe that meditation is part of my own personal religion that I'm, you know, experiencing myself. And I uh, believe that the experiences I had when I did my psychedelic therapy with psilocybin, I believe that that was a spiritual experience. And so I just can't put a label on it. And to me, that's just, it's not, to me, it's not Christianity because Christianity was this very specific thing that made me feel worthless. And so I can't identify with that anymore. What about you? Where have you landed? So the, the big questioning happened, I think, for me uh, when Scott died. And then I met with a medium and I talked to Scott and I learned all about the other side. And I thought, well, damn, I've been bamboozled. <laughs> like God, universe, source, however you want to say it, loves me, period. End of story. Unconditionally loves Scott, loves Sarah, loves everyone. And I don't have to do shit for it. And I certainly don't need to convince anyone else to believe. That was the moment where I was like, holy fuck, talk about freedom. Like straight freedom. So I do still believe in God. What I say, God, universe, source, whatever you want to say, it's all the same. I think God is so magical and big and beyond anything that our tiny little human brains could even understand at all. Therefore, I think it's really, really arrogant of us to take something like the Bible or take something like whatever and think that we have all the answers because it's, it's, it's part of the faith. It's part of the magic of whoever source in the universe is. And so I, I think that we really narrow and pigeonhole him, her, they, whatever <laughs> you want to say. And I think that um, I don't do that anymore. Once I met Mike, it broadened my thoughts on the topic even more and all the discussions that we had over it. And then, friends, go down spiritual TikTok and your mind will be blown, (laughs) like straight blown. (laughs) It is a wealth of knowledge and I have learned so much and I take what I am supposed to take and I let go of what I'm not. And I don't believe anymore that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. I believe that we all go to the other side. We all we all go. And I think that. I don't need to sell anybody that anymore because I don't need to save anybody. We don't need saved. doesn't mean that I don't think we should like listen and you can call that prayer. You can listen to, you can call that meditation, however you want to call it, that quiet stillness and ask for things and listen and have a relationship with source universe, God, because it makes things clearer and it gives you purpose and it makes you understand why we're here. And so I don't believe that there's one way. I think that powers have been abused and that makes me really sad. And I think that fear is the last thing that Source wants us to feel. And I think that the power, hungry people and the greed just wanted us to feel so much fear so we would fall in line. And I do not think that God is about any of that. It's a beautiful thing. There's a lot of freedom in it. And uh, I, I really... I really enjoy my faith right now. That's a great place to be. It is. 
you know, there's so much to say around this topic. So if you have any stories that you would like to share, I watched this docuseries called Mormon No More. That for me was another mark on the spot of saying God is one who loves all no matter what. And so, you know, these people in that particular docuseries were gay and had to leave their church and their faith because they were no longer accepted. Those are the institutions. Those are the things that really just pull me down when it comes to a religious institution. And that's where it makes me stand even stronger in my conviction to say, I will not be a part of an organized religion anymore. Right. Right. Um, So, you know, those are stories we can share. We can, you know, dive deeper into this. If you guys want us to let us know if you're done listening to this topic, let us know. You know, and in, in my like very kind old ways pre 40 I want to say to you I hope you weren't offended but like honestly this is my story this is Mm -hmm. what happened it's not I'm not lying I'm not exaggerating we all have our own stories and we welcome you to come on and share yours so I just hope that everyone feels that they can be in a place of acceptance and love and realize that all the things that people are fighting about right now with religion is a speck it's so small and God is so big and I think that if we could somehow wrap our head around that the world would just be a better place yeah there was a great um scene in this show on netflix it's called god's favorite idiot and it has <laughs> melissa, <laughs> melissa mccarthy in it and god is trying to get um her real life husband i can't remember his name but he's her husband in real life um shoot I can't remember I know who you mean but he's Mm -hmm. in the show too Mm -hmm. so he's the idiot so God is trying to get him to spread the word to everybody that everybody's right yes yes and so she's like unless you're hateful and it's a a woman too (laughs) which I love and she's like everybody's right yeah she's like the Buddhists the Christians the Jews the what everybody's right God is I am all All of of those things all of it and I just loved that because I was like yeah that's that's the way to look at it And that's what I believed in the very beginning, even though I was raised Catholic and um, I came full circle. I'm back. Yeah. Just don't be a hateful (laughs) asshole. Okay. Oddly (laughs) enough, I think there's an actual faith that believes that an organized religion. No, thanks. (laughs) Don't come knocking on my door. I'll say no. (laughs) It's called Baha'i. That's the one that I've, I'm like, should I look into it? Isn't that like the Unitarian church? Unitarian You know, I'm not sure what that is, but Baha'i faith basically believes believes that. Rain Wilson false yes it's true but Dwight false Sh- Dwight Schrute <laughs> Dwight Schrute yes, is in that and is. I mean <laughs> we love him we do love him but that's the only one that I'm like oh should I should I mm-hmm. and then I keep telling I'm like no I'm not I'm gonna stick to my convictions and yeah, yeah. but you know it's you can do as you want I just I just don't want people to live in fear yeah it's the antithesis of God's love mm-hmm so don't do that. Yes. <laughs> if you're still with us. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us again. And uh, we love you so much. And just remember to stay wild and weird warriors. We love you. We're going to leave you off with some REM because we can so relate to this song. Life is so much bigger than us. And we feel like, did we say too much? Have we not said enough? I don't know, but... This song will help us kind of work through it, don't you think? Oh, life is bigger. It's bigger than you. You are not me. The links that I will go to, the distance in your eyes.
This episode was brought to you by Amy Baumgartner and Sarah Simone. The theme song and our other music is provided by Epidemic Sound. This episode was mixed, mastered, and produced by Sarah Simone. To help us keep making episodes just like this, consider supporting us on patreon.com slash unqualifiedtherapistsinc. If you have a mental health journey you'd like to share, email us at unqualifiedtherapists at gmail.com or you can reach out on our website, www.unqualifiedtherapists.com. Until next time, warrior, hold on. We're going to make it. Yeah, I'm a warrior.